Jonathan and Rosalind Goforth arrived in China as missionaries in March of 1888. If there were ever a good missionary last name, Goforth is that last name. Their assignment was to open up a a new work in the Henan province uh, of China. This was a daunting task. It was probably one of the most uh, anti-foreign provinces in all of China. Many other missionary organizations had tried to move into this province and to do work there for years unsuccessfully. But the GoForce had this task set before them, and they, they struggled. Uh, they struggled to learn the language. They struggled to adjust to the climate. Uh, they struggled with all sorts of difficulties in raising a family there in these unfamiliar surroundings. In fact, they had all sorts of challenges, one of which was the loss of one of their children. One day, they received a letter from Hudson Taylor, who was a very well-known missionary in China that worked with the China Inland Mission Organization. And he wrote to them these words, we understand that Henan is to be your field, and we as a mission have tried for 10 years to enter that province from the south and have only just succeeded. It's one of the most difficult provinces in China. Brother, if you would enter that province, you must go forward on your knees. What a word of advice from one missionary to another. If you would do this work, you have to go forward on your knees. The goforths took that advice to heart, and prayer became one of their greatest tools With persistence, with prayer, they mastered the language. People began responding to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, they had one female convert who became a a Bible teacher for women in their ministry. Years later, Rosalind wrote a book called How I Know God Answers Prayer. And she recalled miracles of revival and of the Lord's guidance and healing and comfort to their family. All through the different Uh, challenges that they faced in their ministry, the go-forths proceeded on their knees. And that's the call for us today as the church. That's the central message that you're going to hear today as we continue in a new series called On the Mountain. We're going to look at significant moments in Jesus' life through the Gospels, moments that the Lord... uh, really moved in through, through Christ and, and in the life of Christ here uh, on the earth. When we think about mountaintop experiences, that's a, a phrase or a term that we use to describe spiritual high points in our lives. We talk about valleys being low points and dry places spiritually in our lives. And we think about these mountaintop experiences that sort of become spiritual markers that we look back upon in our life. And so as we think about being on the mountain in this new series, I pray that as we study these moments in Jesus' life, that it would be a spiritual high point in your own walk with the Lord Jesus. And so today we begin by looking at the Mount of Olives. If you look with me in the book of Luke chapter 22 in verse 39, the word of God says, He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. 
And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. As we study this moment on the mountain in Jesus' life on the Mount of Olives, I want us to consider going forward on our knees, the significance of prayer in our lives. And as we look at this moment in the life of Jesus, the first thing that we see here is the priority of prayer. This is one of the most crucial moments in the life of Jesus. He's going to be arrested in just a matter of moments. And so you come to that sort of situation in your life, what do you think that he ought to do? Maybe he needs to set up a a strategy meeting, get all the disciples in on Zoom and come up with with a plan here. Maybe he needs to come up with a a plan of retaliation, something to, to prepare for these guards that are coming to arrest him. Maybe he needs to go and run and hide. But instead, what you find Jesus doing is the most important thing to him, praying. In verse 39, it says, he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. It says he went as usual. Some translations there say, as was his custom. So how do you think that Judas knew where to lead the temple guards to arrest Jesus? Because this was his habit. In fact, just a page or so over in your Bible in Luke 21 verse 37 It says, during the day he was teaching in the temple, but in the evening he would go out and spend the night on what's called the Mount of Olives. And so all throughout these final days of Jesus' ministry, he was spending much of the night in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it wasn't just at this pivotal moment in Jesus' life that that he looked to prayer. This was a pattern that you see all throughout his life, all throughout his ministry. Just walk through Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter four and verse one, it says Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. In Luke chapter four and verse 14, it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. In Luke chapter six, in verse 12, it says, during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. In Luke chapter nine, in verse 18, it says, while he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? In Luke chapter nine, in verse 28, it says about eight days after this conversation, he took along Peter, John, and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 10, verse 21, at that time, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verse one, he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. 
in Luke chapter 18 and verse one, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and to not give up. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that prayer is a major theme in Jesus' life. It's incredibly important to him and to his relationship to his father and to the, the ministry task that he's been given. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves today is how important is prayer to you? Is prayer an afterthought? Is prayer something that you do when you've exhausted all other avenues and possibilities? Is it something you just sort of do to, to check off a spiritual checklist, a to-do list? But as you see here in the Gospels, this was the lifeblood of Jesus' ministry. He was always praying. <laughs> and one of the most common excuses that, that I hear about a failure to pray is that we're just too busy. <laughs> but if you think about Jesus' life and ministry, he was incredibly busy. But he prioritized time in prayer. Andrew Murray said, oh, let the place of secret prayer become to me the most beloved spot on earth. And so could it be that we suffer so much, that we struggle so much, that we wander so much because we don't pray so much? Over the last month, what we've probably learned is that not having enough time wasn't the problem. We've had plenty of time and we're still not praying. So we have to make prayer a priority. The second thing that we see in the passage is the power of prayer. I want you to notice the, the charge that Jesus gave to his disciples in verse 40. He tells them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Pray, he says to them. You gotta see the context here. This, this comes on the heels of a very important speech that Jesus had just given to them. He had just told the disciples about this great spiritual battle that they're going to face where Satan desires to sift them like wheat, he says up in verse 31. He tells them that they have to be prepared for this battle in verses 35 down through verse 38. And now he says, here's the best way for you to be prepared for this battle. Pray. Pray, he says, that you would not fall into temptation. He says, do you want to win this battle? Then you need to go forth on your knees. You need to, to pray because there's power in prayer. In prayer, you are calling on the power of the almighty God to act on your behalf. In prayer, you're calling on the wisdom of the all-wise God to answer you. In prayer, you are calling upon the strength of the good shepherd to protect you. In other words, when you pray, you are meeting with God. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment that the God of all the universe pauses to meet with you. And he says to you, you're not alone in this battle. 
You're not acting in your own strength. You're not trusting in yourself. You are trusting and believing in God in prayer. E.M. Bounds has written extensively on prayer and he wrote, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost doesn't flow through methods, but through men. He doesn't come on machinery, but on men. He doesn't anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. And that's what we find in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is mighty in prayer. Jesus here is doing spiritual battle in this passage. Verse 42, he, he prays, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus knows the suffering that he is about to endure. The agony that's, that's coming for him. All of the evil, all of the sin of all mankind is about to be placed upon his shoulders and God's wrath and judgment against our sin is going to be poured out on Jesus on the cross. It's going to be awful. It's going to be terrifying. And he prays that if there's, if there's any other way to accomplish this mission, remove this cup from me, but not my will, Lord. Yours be done in my life. So Jesus is seeking his Father's face here. He's praying for his will to be done. And God answers the prayer, and he supplies his only begotten Son with his power to fight the battle that's before him. There's a... A little insertion there, verse 43, where it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. One commentator writes, Jesus realizes the terrible fate he faces, but he's ready to face death now because God has strengthened him for the task. This is when Jesus was strengthened for the cross. Right here, right now, in prayer. And God moves in his power when we pray. He comes to us in our time of need when we pray. Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, call to me and I will answer you. In James chapter four, verse eight, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so there's this, this repeated cry from the Lord all throughout the scripture where he says, call on me, pray to me, seek me, draw near to me. F.B. Meyer says, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And so could it be that we lack the power of God in our pulpits, that we lack the power of God in our churches, that we lack the power of God in our homes, that we lack the power of God in our personal lives because we fail to pray, that we're not seeking the Lord, that we're not seeking his might in our lives. You see, what I'm describing here is a life that's infused with prayer that we feel the need to pray like we feel the need to breathe. 
that we long to pray with the Father like we long to eat, that we thirst for time alone with God like we thirst for, for water. But instead, we have settled. We've settled for what we can accomplish on our own. When we have a good father who has asked us to call on him. And so we have to seek the power of God in prayer for our lives. Third thing that we find in our passage this morning is the passion of prayer. And as you look at this, at this scene here, there's a tremendous juxtaposition between the prayer of Christ and the prayers of his disciples that are just a few yards away. In verse 44, this is the description of, of Jesus praying. It says, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, the, the word in anguish there comes from the Greek word agonia where we get our word agony from. It was originally a word that was used to describe a wrestling match. (laughs) It was later used to describe intense emotional struggle and, and strain. And so what Luke is telling us here is that Jesus is on the mat wrestling in prayer at this moment. That's the picture that you need to, to envision at this at this moment in Jesus' life. He is on the mat wrestling in prayer. In fact, Luke goes on to say uh, that he prayed more fervently. And the word that he uses there, it denotes a heightened level of intensity. So imagine it like this. There's, there's prayer, and then there's fervent prayer, and then there's very fervent prayer, even more fervently, he says. And so, All you can understand here is that Luke is going above and beyond to describe a prayer time for Jesus that is incredibly intense. This this moment of prayer for Jesus is so intense that most of us can't even imagine or relate to what's going on here. This entire time of prayer is so taxing upon Jesus spiritually and emotionally and in fact, even physically. There is sincere passion in his prayer at this time. But notice the contrast with the prayers of the disciples in verses 45 and 46. It says, when he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. They're asleep. Their teacher is in such a spiritual battle that he is sweating drops of blood just a few yards away, but here they are asleep. Here they are prayerless. It says they are exhausted from their grief, and so they're sleeping Jesus is in agony with grief, and he is praying. The contrast couldn't be any greater here. In fact, it's almost like Jesus is is saying to them, you don't understand what's coming. He says, you have to get up and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And of course, what's going to happen in just a few minutes after this? They're going to be scattered and 
John's gonna run away and lose his, his outer garment. Peter's gonna deny that he knows Jesus three times in the courtyard. I mean, they're all about to fall in temptation. The shepherd is struck and the sheep are going to be scattered. Maybe if they were praying, the story would have been a little bit different. I don't know. But what it is is clear here is that prayer is a priority for Jesus. It's clear that Jesus believes in the power of prayer. It's clear that Jesus is passionate in his praying. And for the disciples, you find Jesus pleading with them multiple times to pray. In the parallel passage in Matthew's gospel, we see that they're told to pray at least three times. And that's what it's like for people who aren't passionate about prayer. They have to be told over and over that they ought to pray. They have to be told that that making a, a prayer a priority in their lives is something that they ought to do. It's evident that they don't believe in the power of prayer. But I've never read of a Christian leader who didn't testify to the importance of prayer in their lives. I've never known someone who was really growing in their walk with God who didn't pray. I've never read or studied about a revival sweeping the land and and moving across the church that wasn't preceded by prayer. So maybe we need this sort of passion in our lives. R.A. Torrey says, when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. So Christians today are being called to pray being called to go forward on our knees. I know that there are people tuned in right now that are in desperate need of prayer this morning. It may be physical things that you're going through. It may be tough decisions that you're facing. It may be financial struggles that you're experiencing. Maybe family issues going on right now. There could be any number of things. But today, you're being called to pray, to make prayer a priority in your life, to pray in the the power of God, to pray passionately. I believe that if we prayed like that today, that there's no telling how God would answer those prayers, how the Lord would move in our lives, how the Lord would move in our church, how the Lord would move in in our nation, how the Lord would move across this globe if we prayed. There may be others this morning who need to pray the most important prayer that you'll ever pray in your life, and that is a prayer of salvation. You see, Jesus is here in agony because he's preparing to go to the cross to go to the cross to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. This is the moment where you see his 
his great love for you, what he's willing to endure to save you from your sin so that you don't have to be hopeless and helplessly lost, so that you don't have to face death and hell because of your rebellion against God. Jesus is making the way of salvation for you. He's gonna be arrested in just a few minutes. He's gonna be tried. He's gonna be beaten and mocked and spit upon. He's gonna have to carry his cross out to Golgotha and he's gonna be killed there where he sacrifices himself for you and for me. God's wrath is placed upon him. He pays the debt for what we've done and he dies in our place. But as we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday morning, on the third day, he rose from the dead as conqueror of sin and of death and of hell, the victor, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he's offering to all who would trust in him by faith that he would forgive them of their sins, that he would save them from their sin. And that can be true in your life today. If that's a decision that you wanna make today, then I wanna encourage you right now to pick up your phone and text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. We've had many people over this year text the word DECIDE to let us know that this is a decision that they wanna make in their heart. And it might be you today that needs to make this decision to repent or turn away from your sin and to trust in Jesus and what he did for you to give your life to follow him as your Lord and as your master. So I wanna encourage you to do that right now. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship. Lord, for the reminder of this important moment in Jesus' life, this, this moment on the Mount of Olives where he went on the, the wrestling mat in prayer. We see what a priority it was in his life. We see the importance of prayer, what the connection that he had with you, our Father, in prayer. And Lord, I, I pray that I would have that same sort of passion, that same sort of priority in my life when it comes to prayer. I pray that for our church family, for others that are tuned in listening today, that we would see, Lord, what prayer means in our lives. God, for those who are right now making this decision to trust in Jesus, to save them from their sin, I pray that they would pray this most important prayer to turn from their sin and to call on Jesus to save them. And so, Lord, move in our hearts during this time. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you log off this morning, we wanna say thank you for tuning in with us and for worshiping with us here at Wallace Memorial Baptist Church today. I wanna give you just a couple of announcements before we're dismissed. The first is this. Please be uh, abreast of all that's going on uh, by checking out our Wallace Knox social media accounts and uh, going to our website, wallacenox.com. You'll see all the most up-to-date information about what's going on, how we're proceeding through uh, all of this time of quarantine uh, and to keep uh, connected with what's happening in your church. So make sure that you're doing that. I wanna encourage you to pray. Hey, this week, make special and significant times of prayer. Set them aside where you 
Find a prayer closet. Find a, 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 a place where you can be quiet, where you can get along with the Lord and really spend time in prayer with him this week. I want to encourage you to call people, check on people. Uh, that's something that we need to continually do uh, through this time. Make sure people have what they need. Make sure that they're doing okay spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Uh, check on folks and make sure uh, that, they're, that they're doing well uh, during this time. And want to encourage you, if you have children, to turn in to our Kids Worship on our Kids Worship YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to begin in just a few minutes at 11 a.m. So, you've heard your mission for this week. You are now sent to Knoxville and the Nations.